0: You have to dig deeper and unearth stories and have a lot of heart in your content. Now, a lot of brands make empty gestures when it comes to Pride Month, but there are some that do it very well.
1: In episode 55 of the Employer Content Marketing Pod, I chat with Jordan Muckley. George has been in social media since his days at Coventry University and Aston University. He's been head of social at a TikTok agency and he's recently joined the social media team at Moonpig. And with Pride Month happening last month, he has a lot to say about how brands should get involved in LGBTQ campaigning. We provide some insights and tips about how to keep your marketing meaningful and relevant in a world dominated by social media and we talk about how brands can avoid rainbow washing with truly meaningful actions we also get a first-hand view into the entertainment extravaganza that is the eurovision song contest let's get on with the chat
2: hi george how are you doing
0: i'm good thanks chris how are you
2: yeah good thanks happy friday it's good to uh, good to grab some time let's uh... Our green room chat, we realise it's been quite a long time since the days we worked together. Um, yeah, four or so, five years, uh, I think. Goodness gracious. I say it was um last time I, I saw you like in person was at McDonald's at six o'clock in the morning at the Heist Awards after a, a higher education marketing awards do in Manchester. That <laughs> was a good yeah good times. That
0: was a good booze up that night in Manchester, it really was
2: i lost my uh, voice the next day oh my goodness i wasn't uh, i was not in a good that, way the next day. It may
0: have been because i led you into uh, a bar in manchester called thompson's on canal street or just off yes. the canal street it's yep. one of our favorite gay bars and the vodka in there is renowned for being like paint stripper and it's like two, oh, really three, double. that's probably uh. why that might be why you lost your voice
2: i did wonder why because i wasn't it's not like i was singing
0: much that night so not the fact that you had 20 nuggets at 6am not, not yeah. you having a dry throat <laughs> because of having a mackie's no. yeah. <laughs> so
2: for those those um those you don't know uh George, let's just do a bit of an intro about yourself let's t- tell listeners about yourself
0: so i'm Jordan. i've worked in social for 10 years now um both worked in-house and agency side worked on some huge brands um such as purple bricks genting uh, Furniture Village, Royal Mint, Nestle, to name a few. Um obviously the role of social has changed from when I started out writing tweets for P2B brands to now managing huge budgets for paid ads and working with some incredible content creators and seeing new platforms come and some go. Um, and obviously mm. in the last two, three years we've seen TikTok just take over oh my goodness Uh, yeah (laughs) take over
2: everything
0: yeah yeah and and I think TikTok is going to be here to stay I think it's going to have a very similar trajectory to what meta platforms have had in the past um but the role what the role I've done and the role that I previously did has now completely changed um so the role of social media manager used to be probably that of about eight or nine different people all amalgamated into one now it's brands are finally starting to see the need to have a social media um, person to oversee stuff and then yeah. have someone to be a copywriter to be paid, run paid to run content creation to run a studio to mm. run the customer service side to run brand reputation there's so many different facets to social now um, which is quite exciting and you know I think this is where brands still haven't woke up to realize the power of social and mm. they're still putting money into channels that are they're just spaffing money up the wall or throwing it out the window and mm. you know and if you're going to do that what's the point you know you may as well just mm. invest in a bigger social media team yes i am biased always will be but this is this is how your brand communicates now
2: mm. It's true. It's that you go. You always go where the people are. <laughs> I like, totally. can't ignore the fact that the most the most popular internet platform, internet, internet space on the internet is TikTok. <laughs> you know, it's, that's you know you can't get past that at all. So, but but that's,
0: the, yeah, that's, the, that's the that's the role TikTok now plays in our in our daily lives. It's it's our new search engine. It, it's a platform of discovery, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think people don't necessarily realise that yet. You know. I went to Eurovision in Torino and before I went, I didn't go on Google or any or any such other search engine to find out where to go during our downtimes, what to see, you know, restaurants, bars to go to. I went on TikTok and it pulled out some absolutely incredible coffee shops, some brilliant independent shops, some brilliant restaurants to go to in the evening. Um, The best place for an Aperol Spritz in Torino, you know, little things Mm -hmm, like this quiet gardens away from the hustle and bustle um and and we did we visited some a lot of places we didn't get to visit because the took over but this is where people are going to find out very simple things now you know mm. we've seen people learn how to dance on TikTok, learn new recipes learn um cook uh cleaning hacks you know mm. now it's about travel it's about wonderlust the world's opened up again right how can yeah. we manipulate TikTok for that and it's about the visualization and, and and trying to get a window into somewhere. Um, mm. And yes, people still use TikTok and dance on it and do all the trends and stuff. And that's brilliant. And it will always have a place. That's what will never die on TikTok. But. People are starting to wake up to it now and, you know, mm. I have elderly relatives that have TikTok accounts that just just yeah, to watch, yeah. not, not to not to create anything, thank God, um, <laughs> just to watch stuff. And, that's where that's where we're moving to and i think if brands aren't opening up and wising up to that then they're going to get left behind and i think monetarily they'll suffer because Mm. people want to be on there and people are on there and they're going away platforms now
2: it's not like it's you know it's history repeating itself isn't it is that you know new platforms come along okay some much bigger than others but you know they are adopted by younger generations and then they do branch out into older generations and they become more than what they were to start with like Instagram for example (laughs) beautiful photography you know that's pretty much it but then it became you know so much more so it is strange how how kind of the the mistakes of the past by brands haven't been learned by going wow okay this platform really is blowing up at the moment
0: and it doesn't
2: look like it's a one-hit wonder you know so Get to put money into why why do why why is that hesitation why 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 don't enough more brands jump onto a platform like TikTok?
0: I think because they're so used to traditional digital marketing metrics from mm. um channels like display and um search and um vod and things like that because mm. although vod is still you know a fairly newer um format for, for brands to use, or to have in your inventory, social isn't that new anymore. And I still mm. think there's a, a big hesitancy because a lot of people still don't know how to track social properly. So whether you should be measuring ROI, whether you should be mes- uh, measuring reach impressions, mm. link clicks, um, number of products sold the amount you've sold or whatever it may be. What 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 define success for one doesn't define success, or isn't how you define success for another brand. And I think because every brands need on social is so different. um, And there's so many different platforms to use. I don't think a lot of brands necessarily know how to do social. And I think there's a natural, a natural hesitancy to be like, right. So do we do Facebook? Do we do LinkedIn? Do we do TikTok? Do we do Snapchat or YouTube? Or or Instagram or Twitter. And I think because they had that hesitancy, they go, oh, it, it's just easier to do nothing. And yeah. put, and and align that budget to other channels, you know, every brand will have PPC because it's a necessity. They'll have they'll have generics and then they'll have their other strategies. And, and that's just as important. But at the end of the day, social is where you're communicating to every single day it is the heartbeat of your comm strategy. Or it shouldn't mm. be. Mm. People are too there's still so many brands that are still faffing around over press releases to newspapers. And yes, okay, that may still have a place, but end of the day, you can scrap all that, do a quick 20-second TikTok, 20 second video, put it out on mm-hmm. social and let your community decide how they're gonna react to it. And let them mm. be the gatekeepers now. And I still I think if if you're not doing that, then you're you're getting left behind and we're starting to see younger people become more politically aware, younger people yeah. be- become more um socially aware of the world that they're in, um, and becoming more opinionated. And I think yeah. older generations don't like the fact that younger people aren't afraid to say what they think anymore, and hence yeah. the term wokery, which
2: Yeah, it's true. I think it's
0: an load of nonsense. I think yeah. the, the woke people. Are the people that are fearful of the younger people and the younger generations, mm. not the other way around? Um, mm. And brands aren't scared to get involved in um, issues, debates, things that matter to their audiences anymore, and mm. and they are starting to have a voice and use their platforms.
2: Mm. It's true, actually. I think, I think there's that thing of, I mean, God, you know, woke in itself is actually positive, although it's been. It's being taken as as a as a negative now, isn't it? You know, but I think there's that thing about about a reluctance to accept, I suppose, an aggravation toward people having an opinion or no question the way that things have been done before. Well, that's yeah. you know that's the way it happened to me, so I don't see why others shouldn't shouldn't go through that. But you know, the good what is great now is I think as a gener- as each generation comes along, their platform to discover and share things becomes so much more powerful which means they are confident in sharing things you know we literally think about my goodness people are born in this century who are have left university it's crazy to think that but you know they are used to they're used to having a camera in their pocket you know they're used to creating content they are content creators you know um and actually used to kind of i think you back in the days of aston university you know, usually you, you used your students to To create a good chunk of the content, didn't you? Because you
0: knew that they knew the platforms and they knew them themselves. (laughs) You know, I mean, when I did that role, I was in my mid twenties, so I was only four or five years older than them myself. So not Mm. that much older, but in terms of how they've grown up and their university experience, completely different to what mine was like. Um, Mm. I went to university when we started to have more cameras on phones, and um, this was in two thousand and nine, by the way, and people started to use phones as more of an everyday tool versus just to pick up and and have a chat or send a message. It had more, we had more things to to do on our phones. Whereas being at Aston, um, one of the things I realised very quickly, having joined at the same time as Dawn, who was um, the head of marketing there, who I worked with um, for two years, um, we quickly realised that Aston had an authenticity problem. And it was very cold. So the only way to turn that around was to get a load of students, build our digital ambassadors team out So I think at at, the, at its height, we had 22, um, really? all, all doing work and producing content and, and other things, um, and was to give them a platform to shine and to show off an authentic student life on Aston's campus and in Birmingham. One of the biggest things people didn't know about Aston prior to coming to visit on an open day. Whereas they didn't realize that Aston's campus was in the middle of birmingham city Center and it's a five minute walk to the ball ring and it's a 10 minute walk to new street and you know mm. these little, silly little things which you should put front and center in your prospectuses in your content and we completely flipped that around we we changed the branding and how we were going to approach social we added more colors to things we gave students more autonomy with their own content creation we didn't Mm. tried to filter anything we didn't try to edit too much um and it created a platform to the extent of we were able to offer places on results day through social media through and initially with facebook and instagram and then Mm. twitter and then the following year that evolved into whatsapp as well which Mm. was brilliant for us we got a load of students through the door and i think the power of that was summed up for me when i went on a ucas had to go and work on a UCAS fair with a recruitment team in September of 2018 Mm. and students coming up to us and, and saying, Oh, we follow you on Instagram. Oh, we follow you on Snapchat. We've seen the Freshers' Week stories. We've seen your student version of come dine with me, which I still can't believe we did, but we did. It was brilliant. Um, It's fun as well. And stuff like that. And and that just completely changed how that university did social media. And mm. I think it changed a few opinions and attitudes towards social internally as well. because um, mm. that was the other side of the job, which was just as difficult was fighting the the internal battles. Because yeah. the, the thing you the thing you encounter that I don't think a lot of people realise is everyone's got an opinion when it comes to social because they mm. have their social media in their pocket every day. <laughs> yeah. But the, what they don't understand is you don't use social personally is the same you do professionally of your brand or a a platform that you um, look after. So everyone's got an opinion on it. And Mm. it's very visible, you can't hide your work, if you're managing social platforms, because everyone can see it. Mm. So it's really difficult, it is such a tough balancing act. And you are constantly fighting battles, you're constantly trying to change attitudes to change opinions. And um, that's the the part of the role that i never really enjoyed i've, I've mm. never enjoyed is, is trying to prove why social i shouldn't have to prove anything with social media it just is it's the it's the best platforms you have so bloody well use them you know yeah. um yeah. and it's and it, it it strikes me and it shocks me at how many people still don't get that the pennies still hasn't dropped
2: mm. well it's you know it, yeah absolutely it's kind of it's I mean, there's lots of phrases around us, isn't there? But kind of that social first mindset, and then you build everything else around it. There's not to say that of course in 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 person events are still important. You know, uh, you know, doing doing something on this platform is important, or even even having a place for prints. You know, who's got a yeah. QR code in it, whatever. It still has a place to play, but it's it's wrapped around that kind of mindset of of social, which is different and and. Yeah, I mean I think yeah, working with you at Aston was was great because you guys clearly kind of you clearly understood that and and um it's ultimately you were saying about when people came to you at that UCAS, UCAS event, they're oh, I've seen you, you know, seen Aston on Instagram. Is that they're not really following a brand, they're following a people, aren't they? Yeah <laughs> and yep. the experiences
0: they have. So I think that's following yeah. experiences now. Yeah. And in my in in my most recent role as um, I was head of social media at a TikTok agency, and we ran a higher education report, um, and we we spoke to a lot of different universities, and um, it, within that report, working on that with the wider team, it became clear that students aren't or prospective students, sorry, aren't following universities for anything other. Than the experiences that that university is portraying, so yeah. it's through their student content creators, and a lot of universities have now have the freedom on TikTok to create whatever they want to go with the trends. But whereas some are very much no, this has to be on brand. It has to have the university logo. It must have the Helvetica font or Arial or whatever font they use. And it's like yeah, that's not yeah. how you use TikTok. That's that's not what that platform's for.
2: It's true. I, I remember working with a, another university, um, you know, a few years ago, and um, when Snapchat, you know, was, I think still has a place. Snapchat still definitely has a role to play, but I think it was it was, it was more talked about pre TikTok days, and um, and we're talking about Snapchat content. It's like, well, actually, what you need to be doing is following the brand guidelines of of Snapchat, <laughs> not not of your brand. Yeah, you want to have maybe some sort of crossover, perhaps, but but yeah. Um, and and that I, thing about it being the experience which is the most important i think
0: going back to your point just about brand guidelines on tiktok your community define your brand guidelines on tiktok yeah, by what they find funny what they don't like what they find mm. educational what they find interesting and what they don't respond to mm. and that you know what your type of content your community wants therefore you must deliver that kind of content keep trying absolutely testing. Absolutely. So there's, there's
2: some, So there's something there about then that ability to, or courage to let lose, relinquish control,
0: yeah, as a brand.
2: Now I think that kind of, that's a nice kind of segue into, into talking about, kind of in your view. I mean, we've touched on it somewhat already, but let's spend a bit of time talking about it, which is kind of in your view, kind of what makes great great content. Um, I mean, yeah, and yeah what makes what makes great content in your view i don't think we'll be surprised by some of the stuff you say (laughs) you've already touched on it but yeah it'll be interesting to chat about it
0: i think it has to resonate it has to provoke something out of you that's an emotion a reaction a feeling um or just plant a thought in your head but it also Mm. has to feel true to what the brand is like for example you're not going to have um you're not gonna have the daily telegraph all of a sudden spouting positivity about trans rights because that's just not their platform
1: yeah although it
0: should be and trans rights are really fundamentally important to everybody not just yeah. trans people Ev- they matter. Yeah. they matter to everybody um you know that's just one example i think what matters to me individually is that it has substance and it has a meaning and it has a message and someone has thought about the reason why they're going to post that image on on instagram or create that TikTok or post that thread on twitter or whatever it may be um there has to be some element of 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 meaning behind it a lot of what brands put out there a lot of content you see these days is very empty it's very shallow And it has, there's no substance to it, and I think that's what matters. Mm.
2: Yeah, because they're, I mean, ultimately, if you see a place where lots of people are, like TikTok, then you go, well, if we are going to go on TikTok, what do we need to do? Well, we need to shift product. So therefore, what do we do? What does the content need to do? Well, of course, the content needs to, needs to have something about the product, and surely, you know. But that thing you talk about, experience, is really important, and you know, not to say, you know, brands. Go toe to toe with Netflix, but you know, there's that thing about I want to be able to learn something, I want to be able to laugh, I want to be able to cry, I want to be able to think about something. There's brands do are in a position to be able to help that happen. What do you, so in terms of like a little, you know, we've last month was Pride Month, and there's lots of talk around, you know, well, lots of brands jumping on 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 Pride Month and changing their logo. And often that being, you know, that being it kind of what's, what's your kind of, what's your view on kind of, is there a lot of tick, kind of tick box um, marketing out there and kind of what does, what does kind of the the best kind of, you know, pride content
0: do and, and look like? I think a lot of brands are just try hard and they have to. They feel like they have to do something because that's what's Mm -hmm. expected now. Um, but a lot, but when they do that, it doesn't come across as genuine. Mm
1: -hmm. Now we
0: use the term rainbow washing quite a lot. Now, if you go on social media on the 1st of June, during pride month, you'll see the vast majority of companies, brands, sports teams, news outlets, whatever it may be. They'll change their profile picture and have a lot of branding for that month all around the, the progress flag, right? the 30th of june that's gone it's back to normal it's almost like gays don't exist or our community doesn't exist for the the other months of the year um i think there is a massive problem more widely with brands that are are using pride to push products um to promote their own agendas a lot of it is very well-meaning but it doesn't carry through so You know, even when you even when you try and launch Pride Initiative or you put your LGBTQ plus team members in the front and center of your content, you're using them as props. And that's not always the best thing to do. You have to dig deeper and unearth stories and have a lot of heart in your content. Now a lot of brands make empty gestures when it comes to pride month but there are some that do it very well and actually put their money where their mouth is so um for example um absolute vodka always one of my favorite brands not because i drink vodka vodka's my preferred drink but because they do a lot of stuff for the lgbtq plus community throughout the year so they it didn't happen this year i think they've done it for the previous years they launched a, a limited edition bottle which raises money for the gilbert baker foundation in america now nice, I, yeah. i've got one of those bottles over there which i've drank um in fact tell a lie it's right here nice so one go, yeah that's the that's the bottle
2: oh, I, I can confirm it's empty
0: uh, yeah nothing in it um it ha- actually had some flowers in it the other day but they all died um but what that does that raises crucial money, and they don't just do it throughout Prime Month, they do it throughout the whole year. You know, that is a brand that stands with our community. Now I take issue when it's it, it, they don't donate profits to LGBT plus charities, they don't donate. They don't have any form of donation. Um, They, you know, you'll you walk up and down high street or go on any website during Pride Month, and they'll have their pride range. And it just doesn't feel genuine, it feels hollow, it feels, oh, this is a quick way of making even more money. Now, I don't have a problem with well meaning intentions, I have an issue when they're not thought through properly. And when you don't engage with our community, when you don't engage with um your lgbtq plus staff networks because guess what guys there's one of those there's one member of our community working for your brand whether you know about it or not we're there mm-hmm. um engage with a focus group engage with your local lgbtq plus community in the city that you're in as a mm-hmm. brand get your op- get guest speakers in during pride month educate use it as a time to share resources um and I think we are starting to move towards a, a place where brands are starting to understand that. But it's going to take a long mm-hmm. time. And you've only got to look at how the world is at the moment. You know, we've seen some brilliant content on TV recently during Pride Month, and you know, culminating Joe Lice's big Pride party um, mm-hmm. on Channel yeah, Four this yes. week, yeah. um, which my friend Fat Butcher was doing poppers on, which was brilliant. Um, <laughs> I mean, but that program was a great showing of education for a lot of people, mm. apart from the fact that they didn't challenge Kelly Holmes on her turf views, which was shocking, but they should have done. But alas, mm. we move. Um, I'm sure they have things that they're doing with her um mm. to educate her much better. But you know, you have brands like Disney who do a lot of Pride stuff, not just during Prime Month, but throughout the year. They donate a lot of money to to lgbtq plus charities um a lot of the johnson and johnson brands do great stuff they donate part of their um pride pr- part of the profits of the pride bottles throughout the year to. um I, I know they do it the albert kennedy trust here in the uk i'm not sure all the charities they do it around the world but they they are there um mm-hmm. levi's do some great stuff liverpool this year of them their red together campaign which you know for a football club, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not a Liverpool fan, and I'm, I'm not necessarily the biggest Liverpool. I, I don't think that much of the club in general because no. I don't necessarily like Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> oh a, no, I love that, it. That no, that's on, another
2: episode.
0: <laughs> that's another episode, but that's not a reflection <laughs> on how well the club do things from um an equality and diversity point of view. They are phenomenal, yeah. and you know, you've got great allies like Jordan Henderson who has come out and supported, not just gay, lesbian and bisexual people, he's come out and supported transgender people. You know, he did that during the Euros last last summer, when a fan who, um, I may get this completely wrong, but a fan who's non-gender conforming went to the game in makeup and shared his experiences on Twitter and Jordan quote tweeted that with a message of support, you know, And, and now we're at a level where we're at a level now where people are aware of what the issues are that our community face and mm. now more than ever the trans community need our help and solidarity and we should all be getting behind those because sec- mm. the, what the government tried to do is the equivalent of section 28 back in the late 80s they're trying to do that now with trans people and mm. obviously with the good news that Boris is now gone um no, we just need to move things forward now um, mm. but there are examples of campaigns that are absolute stinkers, like um I'll give you another football team that didn't do very well this year Norwich city now Norwich have a brilliant um l g b t q plus supporters club brilliant supporters club mm. um probably one of the the biggest and one of the best in the country. I think it's one of the first, but what they did this year, they just got it completely wrong. they tweeted um A video of what looked like a wall with all the discriminative words and homophobic and transphobic slurs that people have encountered, they've seen on social media, they've heard in stadiums, and put it Mm. up on a wall. Now, I think it was well intended, but it just Mm. got it completely wrong. So from me looking at that, that's them accepting that those words are okay. Now, obviously, Mm. they they that alerted the the fan group. Uh, uh, pride canaries and um they worked together and it was sold, and they got it taken down and i think the rest of their campaign was a lot better
2: it's think... given those words a platform isn't it that's the yeah. thing that's the problem give those words a um, platform and that's a bad thing yeah. like
0: when Marks and spencers mm. did the lgbt sandwich which was lettuce guacamole bacon and tomato i remember it well because i don't really like blt myself but i remember seeing that and thinking that's just a bit of bit of a cop out yeah. well well meaning in terms of raising money for the Albert Kennedy Trust and the belong to youth services, mm. but don't put our acronym and contextualize it in a completely different way because it doesn't mm. mean that it's guacamole bacon and tomato, and yeah absolutely, yeah, they changed it it eventually, won't. yeah, it yeah. Just like another corporate box ticking exercise now, the yeah. biggest one that really irritates me is the NHS flag.
1: The NHS flag. Um,
0: Now, the rainbow flag isn't called the rainbow flag, it's called the pride flag. And it was made by Gilbert Baker or created by Gilbert Baker back, correct me if I'm wrong, in the 70s, maybe the late 60s. Mm. I'm not. Mm. However, that has been taken over by people trying to share their support of the NHS. Mm. Rightly or wrongly, but that flag isn't for that. The pride flag is our flag now, which is now the the progress flag. And that's mm. solidarity to people like me, people like our trans brothers and sisters, the LGBTQ plus community in, in the wider world. Mm. And it really bothers me when people say, oh, I'm waving the NHS flag. I've got that on my roof. No, you haven't, hun. It you, looks like you're sporting gay rights here, which you should be like that is a great example of how things have been completely misconstrued. Now yeah, can talk about tone that definite, yeah. That's that's something completely different, but it's another example of misplacing something that isn't used correctly.
2: Mm. How do you, how do brands, okay, I suppose you touched on some of it already, but how do, how do brands make sure they are getting it right? Or do the things that you, you know, do the things that you, you you've talked about.
0: I think you have to work with external parties, charities, consultants, um, focus groups, volunteers from those communities. Work with them. Don't produce something and go, what do you think? Ask them what matters to them, and then they'll tell mm-hmm. you. Because at the end of the day, that's the only way that you're gonna get this kind of stuff right. Now, when we, we did stuff for Aston for um, LGBT History Month every year, and we got it right because we worked with the lgbt student society we worked with a staff network and plus we had people in marketing that were lgbtq plus so we knew what things would work and what things wouldn't mm. i think you have to engage you have to educate you have to inform each other and use those and use those people as soundboards mm.
2: goes back to i suppose it yeah, goes back to relinquishing that control again isn't it and actually I and mean, you touched on it before in terms of this thing about actually co-producing content. You yeah, know that's the same with if you're working with content creators. And I've had in fact in a previous episode talking to Simon Lucy from an agency called Hype Collective, talking about how <laughs> their influencer content performs so much better than than something that's highly produced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Much of their annoyance at the time, but they realised actually that you know working with content creators is is a big answer to their success and that was about trusting that trusting that creator that they know the platform and they have something to share and they can work in partnership with a brand to do that to create those experiences and help make help people laugh cry learn something have a you know think about something you know rather than just using them as a as a vessel as a media channel just to distribute yeah. a, a message that doesn't just feels a bit
0: awkward it comes down to authenticity
2: yeah absolutely absolutely and it's that's a word used a lot isn't it and people often take the mickey out of that word but it's true <laughs> it's yeah, it really it's is true if it's done right it's absolutely absolutely true um without a doubt yeah nice Joel sure, we could we could easily chat we, we were chatting before we started recording we could yeah. easily chat for much longer but let's <laughs> Let's um finish up on something. um Oh yes, that was it. so we were yeah originally we were, we were setting up this episode to actually um talk about Eurovision because you were actually at Eurovision at the time. When yep. I saw that on Instagram, I was like, "Got to talk to George, even <laughs> if he's hung over in a in a hotel room." I want to get uh, a feel for what you know what this you know the amazing nearly experience happened. of Eurovision has nearly happened, but and it's totally cool. Main thing is we're talking. <laughs>
0: I lost well, um, my. When we're, we're oh, going to record oh, the, that episode of the podcast, um I think it was 11 a.m. on the Sunday morning after the night was, of the grand final, yes. and I was. I didn't get in till 6 a.m. and I completely lost my voice. Thanks <laughs> to the same vodka, drinking the vodka. No, no, this is this is Aperol, <laughs> so I can confirm Aperol does that to your throat too. <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, it's like we 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 got to talk a bit about Eurovision, and I suppose mainly is. What was it like? You know, watching on TV, and it's it is it's such a good spectacle, and you know we we like to have it on the TV and try and some years have a bit of a Eurovision party and all that, and just just enjoy it basically. Was was it like? What was it like being there
0: this year? It was just absolutely phenomenal. It's just a wonderful, joyous place to be. Um, it's not like going to watch the football at all. And and you're amongst the rival fans, obviously, because you won't get on with each other. But you're amongst so many different people from across the continent who are just there to celebrate one thing, and that's music. And mm. the fandom is positive influence on a lot of things. Um, everyone has their favorites. Everyone has their doesn't have their favorites. That's fine. Um, but one thing I took away from that was just how joyous it was in the, the brilliant atmosphere. And how Eurovision isn't a joke, and nev- mm. never has been, and shouldn't be thought as that. Um, it's a serious music contest, and mm. yes, it's a TV show um, first and foremost, but it's also a festival. While you're there, yeah. and everyone yeah. is there for the same reason, and that's to enjoy the spectacle of what Eurovision is.
2: And actually, during at times, especially over the last few years, you know divisions that have been brought up you know in society you know the many divisions Some of which we talked about you know already but brexit and views around covid and vaccinations and and what do you think of a political party all that stuff there's ukraine there's a whole lot of things there which is are out there to to try yeah. and divide the world and so anything that can can uh, can get rid of those those divisions is is, is, is pretty fantastic
0: yeah I completely agree and that was the the overriding feeling of this year of being in Torino was I think we all knew that Ukraine were going to win um by a long shot and I think a lot some people that are a bit more cynical would say well that just brings back the political voting again and I don't think I don't think it is that um I think it's more of a show of solidarity to Ukraine now I there's a bit of controversy yeah. over where you where is going to be next year and the likelihood of it is it will be in the United Kingdom um yeah. because you can't get 30, 40,000 people over to Ukraine and guarantee their security. Um, however, there is that overriding feeling that this year was a sense of togetherness and a show of solidarity for Ukraine. And I think that was the yeah. over, the overarching thing. And yes, we were there. We had a great time. We got very drunk. We enjoyed all the songs. We met the, the presenters, we met the artists. Probably met a lot of people who I don't remember their names and and, yeah. and that's where I'll put a full stop on that sentence. But um, we that was the overarching emotion this year, overriding emotion, sorry, and we all felt that we were helping show um, our best wishes, our solidarity, and our wish for peace for Ukraine, but also a massive middle finger up to Putin um, and show that man the bird, flip that man the bird. So, you know, that was the that was what it was like this year. And I think next year will be a little bit similar. Um, I think next year will be a joint thing between United Kingdom and Ukraine. I think we'll see a lot of Ukrainian presenters and artists. Which it should be, which is the right thing to Mm. do. Um, But also it'll it'll allow the BBC to to show off why we still value and love Eurovision and Mm. the continent as a whole. And I know that's going to get a lot of... Yeah, is really upset. But that's fine, but that it is what it is.
2: Still part of Europe, you know. Whatever people yeah. say, is that we are still a European
0: country, absolutely. That, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely floating to the middle of the Atlantic, it's impossible, yeah. That's, that's too right. No, thank you. No, it's
2: been Probably It's been, yeah, thanks for that. It's uh, it's um, yeah, it's good to get good to get some time with you. So it's been a while since we've caught up so along with the green room chat has been uh it's been a, a, a good good time so good good chat with you really appreciate it um have a great weekend when you get there sun's out so um
0: yeah let's let's make the most of it i'm off to the barbers then i'm going to the wine bar so oh, that's enjoy, my enjoy. That's a nice one
2: all right and, uh, we'll
0: no, catch up like soon. and i'll speak to you soon cheers mate bye now bye mate
1: thanks for listening hope you enjoyed the chat if you did feel free to subscribe to get future episodes and please do share the podcast with others it really does make a difference